There's news in the NFL today, and it's time to break it down in the only way we know how. Hot Rock Style. Earl! Johnny! With our spin on football headlines with a mix of frozen tundras. Let's be a cold weather team. Neck rolls. And grass-stained jerseys. The good old-fashioned guts was probably the biggest difference in the game. Hello, welcome to the second episode of Hot Routes. Matthew Collar here and joining me for a very special episode, breaking down all things week one in our very strange and unique fashion. Jeremy White, WGR 550, a longtime co-worker of mine in Buffalo, New York, and Jonathan Harrison, as always, here on the show. And uh, fellas, we have weeks in the books. I mean, how exciting is this? We waited... What? Over 200 days for football to come back. Jeremy, how are you feeling? And then you had a Thursday night game in Buffalo. And so then you you got to just chill out. It was a stressless Sunday. Watch all the other games and uh, the insane ending to Monday night football. I mean, what what a time to be alive. Yeah. The only problem with the opening night, we've all learned this, is it's like another year and a half until your second game. (laughs) And the Bills play on Monday night. So, holy cow, like two straight weeks without – it kind of feels that way. Two Sundays, at least, full of football, and the Bills aren't playing on either of the Sundays. Um, but it is good to be back. I was reminded a thousand times how the NFL is such content king, not just the outcomes of games, decisions, broadcasts, pregames. Like, everything is back full force. Um, you know, the preseason is the time to, like, try out your takes, and then week one hits, and you're like, now I can have it. Now I can make the take. I'm done with the Broncos. They're toast this year. That's my hot take out of week one. They're going to stink. So, yeah, whatever. It's good to have takes back, you know? Oh, and, uh, well, that's the perfect lead-in for the first Hot Routes question. So, uh, before the season, we all make all of our predictions. We think we've got it completely down. We've got all of our takes in order, and we're ready to present them to the league. Here you are, league. We've got all our opinions. And then by the end of week one, half of them are exploded into a thousand bits. So why don't, why don't you start, Jeremy, with this question? Uh, which one of your opinions or ones of your opinions were totally confirmed in week one and will be a thousand percent right because of it? And which ones were you instantly wrong and you would love to take those back? Okay, a couple that I felt very good about. Devontae Adams was he- going to have a monster season in Vegas. Well, being shootouts, he's great. He already knows the quarterback. I mean, again, it's like a hot take. He's the best receiver in football. But going from Aaron Rodgers to Derek Carr, oh, how's that going to work? I was very confident that would work tremendously. The other one that I felt pretty good about, again, like betting on good players, Matthew, like Mahomes is going to be fine. Anybody fading Patrick Mahomes because Tyreek Hill is going like, I think he'll probably be fine. I wasn't worried about that. The other one that I feel good about so far, here in Buffalo – we now live in the penthouse, so we like to look down our noses at a lot of teams like the Dolphins and the, and the Patriots. I have not wanted to bury Tua yet. I feel like Miami can make the playoffs, can be scrappy good. That roster is really good. Their coach, to me, seems like a bright coach. I think Tua can be okay. One week down, one week down. Like, he looks okay. That team can win 10 games, I think. So um, some people on here want to kill them and act like he's like a bottom five quarterback. I don't think that's true. And um, past that, like what take that I have that has been exploded one weekend? I don't know, like Baker Mayfield can get the Panthers to credibility, I suppose. <laughs> you know, 
he's not horrible, um, and he had a real rough start. I kind of like Marcus Mariota too. I don't know. I got I, my my takes are the good quarterbacks are still good, and some of these bad ones might not be that bad. It turns out, yeah, they might still be bad. So. <laughs> I think the one that I feel the most comfortable and linking back to the last, the, the first episode, I picked the Chiefs as our last question for the Super Bowl. And after the first week, I'm feeling good about it. Now, granted, it was the Cardinals. So take take that for what, it, what it's worth. But uh, yeah, I picked them last week. So I'm feeling good about that pick. Another pick uh, that I'm feeling comfortable with is the Patriots being a mess on, on offense because, you know, hiring Matt Patricia and Joe Judge to run your offense, two guys who've never done that before. That's, that's a genius idea. Uh, Bill Belichick. I don't know what what the heck was going on there. Uh, The one that I feel wrong about right now, I thought the Colts would be revitalized with Matt Ryan as the quarterback. Granted, he's 37 years old. He's he's on the older side, but we've seen quarterbacks play into their late 30s, early 40s now. So I wasn't really too concerned about that. But I mean, needing a 17-point fourth quarter rally to tie the Texans is flat out embarrassing if you're a team that's looking to win your division, that's looking to go on a playoff run and looking to show that Carson Wentz wasn't the problem. That's that's just a bad first week for the Colts. Okay, so I've got uh, the Dan Campbell Lions would be really fun, but not really win that much. Uh, and, and maybe it's next year or the year after because I like what they're doing. I, I think that they have put the right process in place to slowly build uh, Jeremy, you've seen this happen in Buffalo where it wasn't one year where Josh Allen showed up and they just started competing for Super Bowls. It took some time and, and Detroit's going to have to hit on the right quarterback eventually because Jared Goff is just not the long-term answer, but I, the people who wanted nine, 10 wins out of the Detroit lions, like I don't think they're going to be able to stop anybody on defense. And so their games will be super exciting and like they'll restore the roar to some extent. But as far as, <laughs> talking about them as the uh, potential NFC North champions. Like a lot of people were getting way, way uh, kind of uh, over their skis when it came to the Detroit Lions. Totally agree with Jonathan that the Patriots putting Matt Patricia in charge of anything was hilarious and insane. And uh, maybe they'll turn it around, but at least the week one returns are what were you thinking, Bill Belichick? Um, And also maybe like Josh McDaniels was pretty good at offense. I think that might be another one that I thought and was confirmed uh, wrong. Now, I understand it was a monsoon in Chicago, but I did expect better from Trey Lance. Like I I got a Mm -hmm. chance to see here in Minnesota, Trey Lance in the joint practices against the Vikings. And he looks like Cam Newton body-wise and just throwing the ball. It's very impressive. Kyle Shanahan dialing it up. I expected more despite the circumstances there from Trey Lance. And uh, I also thought Aaron Rodgers would be totally fine without great receivers. He was not totally fine at all without great receivers. He was very angry at those receivers. And one of them dropped an easy 75-yard touchdown. Uh, The other one is, and we'll see how this one plays out throughout the season, I thought the Washington Carson Wentz thing would be like, okay, well, you're trying something else here that's not Taylor Heineke. And their offensive coordinator, Scott Turner, was dialing some stuff up. There was a lot of easy throws for Carson Wentz in that game. And maybe they are now, uh, you know, the favorite for the NFC East just because, um, you know, Dallas is clearly not going to be with Cooper Rush. So all of these are subject to change. Um, but, uh, and any reactions to anybody else's, uh, takes there? I think, by the way, if he does do well, Wentz, isn't it in the rules, they then have to trade him for a couple of draft picks. He's like a Yankee swap thing. You can't keep him for more than a year. He's got to go. 
Oh, I also agree with you on Tua. Like, I it's it's very it's very strange how we do this. Like historically, all sorts of quarterbacks have pro- uh, progressed over their first few years, and then they build up the team around them, and then they've got a chance to be legitimately competitive. And writing off Tua as if he was total trash when their team was above five hundred the last two years, it's not like he, he won nothing. And also, didn't they have like joint offensive coordinators Absolutely. in Miami? Yes. Like that, and then they brought in someone from the premier offense in the entire NFL to work with, and one of the best wide receivers. And I'm starting to think that the league paying receivers almost as much as quarterbacks is probably like the right thing to do. So uh, any, any reactions to any of ours, Jonathan? No, I, I agree with, with Tua. I was a little nervous and shaky on him going into the season, but uh, he completely uh, wrote that off in week one. I mean, Mike McDaniels has him has him firing in week one. So, yeah, I, I, I agree with Tua showing up in week one. And, you know, as you said, caller, wide receivers help quarterbacks just as much as the other way around. So we're seeing that the league paying those guys as much as they are paying. And Justin Jefferson's probably the next one up in that line of receivers to get paid a boatload of money. Uh, good for Justin Jefferson, I guess. But Tua's oh, second – oh, sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say Tua's second throw of the game was bad and people screen grabbed it on Twitter and posted <laughs> it, which means that his whole season is a bust. If you, if you find a bad play and you tweet it, well – you know, that's, that's, that's complete proof. Uh, on to our next question, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, and Justin Jefferson after one week are the MVP favorites. If, if such a thing could exist as a front runner for MVP, Mahomes, Allen, and Jefferson would be the guys that are in the lead. Uh, I want you guys to give me historical player comparisons of Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, and Justin Jefferson. Who do these gentlemen remind you of? All right, I'm going to half cheat because I'm going to use somebody else's comparison to then bring about another one. Colin Cowherd this week talked about Josh Allen being like Giannis, right? He is a freak, and you could see it early on, but you wouldn't have said he was the best player in the league. You just look at him and say, I can't believe he can do all of the things that he can do. This guys he's one of one. There's really nobody like him. And I like that comparison because Giannis is – Maybe not the best, but he is also at the same time the best. And using that, that makes to, for me, that makes Mahomes Steph Curry. Like the, oh my God, all the time, this guy doesn't look like he should be this good at everything. But yes, he can rain threes. And yes, he can finish at the basket. And if you looked at skill set of Mahomes and Allen, or they stood next to each other, you're like, well, that guy's got to be better at basketball. And like, actually, they're both in their own way. Incredible. So I like the Giannis comparison, and through that got to uh, Steph Curry for Patrick Mahomes, and even though we're crossing sports. And then somebody else, like just to bring Justin Herbert in this, like said that he could be Luka Doncic. The idea is sometimes like all these direct comparisons are hard and misleading, and there's lots of ways to be great. For Justin Jefferson, I don't know. Like who's the comparison? Is it – it's not quite Moss, right? Is it Marvin Harrison? Is it – he's he's already got what as many 150 yard receiving games almost as Moss does in his career so he is um we think about him interestingly here in Buffalo because he he comes over of course as part of the Diggs trade the Diggs trade becomes Justin Jefferson and we're just everybody's so happy about that trade Bills fans couldn't be happier Vikings fans feel like they came out really well um so like historically I don't know I mean 
now that you've got the coach using him in all these fun ways, he probably becomes what? One of one. Like historical comparisons get tougher when you have players that are doing things that historically haven't been done. Yeah, I, I agree on Justin Jefferson. That was the hardest one for me is coming up with a comparison for him because he just he plays so differently than I've seen a lot of other guys. Like I take the way he runs, like he glides over the field like Randy Moss did. He bursts in out of cuts like Jerry Rice. And I don't want to make those comparisons because he's still what third year in the in the league. You're comparing him to all time greats, but it's so hard to find a comparison for a guy that has already vaulted himself up into the conversation as one of the best receivers in the league in his third year. So that was the hardest one for me going back to Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes. I know it's not really going too far back into the historical comparisons. Josh Allen reminds me of Dante Culpepper, just their size. You can't take them down if you're going to, if you're anybody smaller than like a defensive lineman, because they'll just truck the hell out of you. And they have cannons for arms. They're going to throw it all over the field. Patrick Mahomes reminds me of one of my favorite quarterbacks of all time. He's, he's way safer with the ball than Brett Favre ever was, but I, I feel like he makes these ridiculous throws all over the field that Brett Favre would have made back in his day. So those are my two comparisons for those quarterbacks, but Justin Jefferson was the hardest for me trying to come up with just one comparison for him because he plays, he, he plays such a different style than I've seen a lot of other guys play. So with Justin Jefferson, it doesn't exactly match up because there's a size difference, but I think of him as being similar to Julio Jones because Julio Jones could do anything and no one could stop him ever, no matter what they did with him. If like in in his prime, not in his older years where he only ran go routes, but in his prime that you could throw it short and he could run with it. You could throw it up for grabs and he'll get it every time you, he would, could run intermediate routes and at his best, that 2016 season where Matt Ryan wins MVPs, just throwing it to Julio Jones over and over and over again and having somebody to scheme you up open combined with your ability to just steal the ball out of the air. I mean, Jefferson had one of the best uh, deep numbers last year, had one of the best contested catch numbers. It's a, and, and not only that, but in terms of athletes, like the uh, website Relative Athletic Scores kind of compares combines and like your performance versus height and weight. And Jefferson was in the 97th percentile of athletes at receiver. So it's like he is a technician, but he's also an absolute freak as well. He's just not as tall as somebody like Randy Moss or as Julio Jones. Now, I've got an, a, a bit of an odd comparison because their skill sets don't exactly fit um, perfectly, but I think of uh, Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes as John Elway and Dan Marino, where Elway w- would run and just like could be could be totally wild in a game, but then if he's got the ball at the end, he's making some throw that you just cannot believe. And with Dan Marino, in his early days, he moved around a lot better than the than the I don't have any Achilles left Dan Marino at the end of his career, but. Marino's arm talent was so much and his pocket presence was so much. He never got sacked. He made all sorts of crazy throws and also just made history instantly. And I I think of Mahomes as kind of being the same way is like this guy who is just moving around in the pocket, gunning the ball over the place, but has insane precision with all of that stuff. And that his offense is basically him. Like Miami didn't run the ball. It was just like, Go, go get him. And maybe maybe there's even like a Warren Moon a little bit to Josh Allen. Moon didn't run as much. 
Uh, but you know, just the run and shoot, like it's all you, my brother, just go throw the ball everywhere. Like uh, I, I kind of love that about both of these offenses where it's like, there's only 1% of offenses ever that don't need to run, don't need to run play action. Like all this stuff that everyone says you have to do motions and all the, Oh, you got to do all this creative stuff with these guys, like backyard football, man, go get it. And, and I think that's the coolest part of when you have an elite, elite, elite quarterback. Yeah, and like I was talking about this with a friend the other day about make all the throws. Like think of the guys that can make all the throws. All the throws have changed. Now there are throws that some guys make that others can't. Like Tom Brady can make all the throws. Like not anymore. He can't make the running to his right 13 miles an hour, flick it 50 (laughs) yards down the field throw. He can't make that throw. And – the way that these guys that can make those kind of throws like Herbert and Allen and Mahomes, like it totally changes the game. Watching Russell Wilson last night, I thought, this guy's still good, but he's 10 years ago good. He's he's not necessarily mm-hmm. I'm not trying to say he's not good, but it's just such a different game. Like the, the way that these athletic quarterbacks have changed and have become pocket passers and on the run and jumping over guys or Lamar Jackson or Kyler Murray, like it's just – the game has changed so much that even all the throws has changed. And and Russ just doesn't really like run anymore. I mean, no. that, that's, that's the crazy thing is like early in his career. So, uh, you know, he could run for like 500, 600 yards in a season, but Denver traded for and paid a guy who is a pocket quarterback at this point. He's just like throwing check downs to his running backs all night and stuff like, okay, like, is this what you guys thought you were paying for? The guy who used to scramble all over the place and take off and run for 30 yards. That just does not seem to be who Russell Wilson is. And he had a chance in that game to escape the pocket and run away from a linebacker and get a first down. And he got caught from behind. It was like, I don't think he's fast anymore. Like age just takes a toll. And and maybe we don't realize like how old Russell Wilson is and how long he's been playing at this point, but he came into the league in 2012. It's been a while. And I, and I think that they may have made a mistake there. I mean, it's a a long way to go, but uh, it, he just doesn't have that part of his game that so many great quarterbacks do. And if he's only a pocket quarterback, dare I say that he's like a Kirk Cousins or something? I mean, that's like kind of what he becomes if he doesn't have that element. Um, yeah, I think, I think what the Broncos have done is a little closer to what the Colts have done by bringing in Rivers, Wentz, and Matt Ryan. Like, okay, you've brought in a guy that can do the job, but what you're really signing up for is to live on the you know third floor from the top for a couple of years. And you'll be, you know, you'll have wins, but – I'd be surprised if they're really, really competing. Like last night for me, it was also about the coach and their run rate, how often they ran the ball. Like I I just – I'm fading Denver. I know it's one game, but to go in that environment and lose to a Seahawks team that's supposed to be horrifically bad. Like, okay. Uh, To me, it told me a lot about Denver, and I've kind of had them right there with the Chiefs and Chargers, and I'm fading that big time. I just don't think they're close to that level. I think when you make a mistake that big game management wise, um, it really is a red flag. It's like, have, did you, do you like practice this? Do do you know what to do in sports? Like you call a timeout and get five yards. What are you doing? Um, Okay. So next question kind of pertains to that a little bit uh, because (laughs) I'll just give you my answer to it right away. Uh, One of my favorite shows is uh, arrested development. And in the show, Joe Bluth, one of the great characters in television history, always says, 
I've made a huge mistake. It's like one of one of the great to me one of the great like one line things and underrated show uh, that didn't really succeed but is on Netflix. Go watch it. Uh, and I was thinking like which teams after one week are looking into the camera and saying I've made a huge mistake <laughs> and I've got to think the Broncos with their with their coach is one of them because you like Peyton Manning on the Manning cast is trying to call a timeout himself. Yep. Shannon yes. Sharp looks just like aghast. What is going on? Why aren't they calling a timeout? And then they opt for a 64-yard field goal. So you would have had to make one of the greatest field goals in football history rather than getting five yards. Automatically, Condoleezza Rice and the ownership group should be going, you made a huge mistake. Uh, what about for you guys? I'll give you mine. I think Tom Brady has made a huge mistake. I don't think he should have come back. I think he's about to get beat up. They cannot protect him. He is going to get rocked this year. And I think by the end of it, he's going to feel like he's made a huge mistake. You know, he's the GOAT. I get it. He's got Julio Jones and he's got Mike Evans and Leonard Fournette. I think is actually pretty good. And he got the coach pushed out. He gets everything he wants. I think he made a big mistake and he should not have come back. He's going to get beat up bad. Uh, for me, it's it, it's the Broncos and Nathaniel Hackett uh, was one of them. Just you pay a you trade for a quarterback, you trade as much as uh, that as you trade for for uh, Russell Wilson, and then you kick a sixty-four yard field goal uh, w- with the game on the line. My other one was the Patriots not hiring an actual offensive coordinator when you have Mac Jones performing as well as he did last season. He, Obviously, Josh McDaniels moves on for head coaching gig, so you'd think you'd want to bring in an actual real-life offensive coordinator to continue his progress, but then you bring in Matt Patricia, who is just a joke, and I don't understand what Bill Belichick's doing there. So, yeah, that I think for the for me it's the Patriots and not hiring an offensive coordinator. And to Hackett and that decision, by the way, Matthew, you and I talk about this a lot. I, I think there's almost too much attention being paid to just the fourth down decision to kick versus go for it. They got the ball three minutes left, and they were running clock. They're running clock like they were on the other 30. And too many times people think about and talk about, well, you know, you want to make sure this is the last possession. Why? You don't have to make sure it's the last possession. You could throw it 30 yards downfield, and if you go three and out, you could punt it and call three timeouts. Like, there are 25 different outcomes, and when you decide this is the last possession, you are helping your opponent. Oh yeah, no, for sure. Uh, and like, even, I mean, the, the way the whole game was managed was bizarre. Like you mentioned the running, but also like the goal line stuff, I'm sure they would say, Oh, it's execution. But like, I I don't know, man. I mean, there was some, there was some very, very bizarre, uh, decisions when it came to, to those things. I, I do wonder about the Colts, if the Colts will be looking at Matt Ryan, because, like the crazy thing is that you know everybody uh, who watches the film and everything like that can pull whatever they want and sort of make this case in the offseason. And they did that Matt Ryan was just victim of circumstance, that he's still got a lot in the tank and everything else. And I get that, you know, he's a Hall of Fame, maybe quarterback. So he had made some good throws last year for Atlanta. But the times that I watched Matt Ryan last year, I thought washed Ryan. I was just like, this guy is a shadow of himself and it's not going to matter what you give him. And that's how it looked like uh, in Indianapolis. And I wonder if that team, it's a horrendous division, but I wonder if that team's going to be like eight and nine. 
And they're going to be looking back going like, maybe we should have made a better offer for Kirk Cousins when the Vikings were considering trading him. Or maybe we should have just drafted someone or picked up Mariota or traded for Jimmy Garoppolo, who's got to be better at this point in his career than Matt Ryan, but he's sitting on the bench. That one, I think they're saying I've made a huge mistake. Uh, Next question for you. The Patriots and Steelers play week two, two franchises that are, uh, you know, maybe the previous version of what the bills and chiefs are. Now they owned the AFC for the longest time. They certainly do not now, uh, which one of these teams would you rather be for the next five to seven years, the New England Patriots or the Pittsburgh Steelers? That's a tough question. I, I almost want to ask a follow-up question, which is like, who's the better coach? Mike Tomlin has not had Tom Brady. He's had Ben Roethlisberger, but an aging, failing Roethlisberger and found ways to, I mean, that's blood from a stone to get wins out of those teams based on all defense. And now... They did it again with Mitch Trubisky, at least in one game. I think Pittsburgh might win again. That defense is going to wreak havoc on Mac Jones. Maybe T.J. Watt absence will be big. Who would you rather be? I don't think there's any doubt the Steelers have a lot more talent, both sides of the ball. Steelers have great talent on the offense. They've got great talent on the defense. If you you were a super draft, these two teams, the Steelers have the first how many picks? Five? I mean, you're getting to Matthew Judon and Christian Barmore for the Patriots. Is a Patriots offensive player going in the top 20 anywhere? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> like, I mean, quarterback, I guess, might have to. But, you know, the, the Steelers have a young quarterback prospect. I guess he's not maybe not, not much different than Mac Jones, to be totally honest. But I think the answer is Pittsburgh because at least they have talent. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, I chose this answer based off also looking at their coaches. And I get the feeling that Bill is just trying to st- – proved so hard that he can do it without Tom Brady, that he's stacking so many chips against him that eventually that chip, that chip stack will just be a wall. That's just going to come tumbling down. Like the offensive coordinator thing I brought up a couple times already in the show. Like he's just trying to do so much and prove so much that it was him all along and not Tom Brady over the past 20 years that it just seems like it's working less and less and less. And I'd rather have, the Steelers situation. Yes, both divisions are tough, but I'd rather have the Steelers situation and have a coach that knows who to delegate to and who to give who to give credit to and who's done it with a lesser quarterback for the last couple of years. You know, I think that uh, the edge for the reason that I would give to the Steelers is because they have a general manager. Like when you look at Belichick, everything is genius when you have Tom Brady, like, Oh, look, they were so genius letting all those players go. And how smart was, was Belichick. And and I think at, at a time it was a clever approach to understand that the quarterback was making everybody better. And you could just like, Oh, uh, what, what was, it was Jamie Collins or whatever? Like, Oh, just a, a, you know, a pass rusher that we scheme up, like, forget him. Who was the guy back in the day, Mario Anderson, who got like 10 yep. sacks and then a big contract in Buffalo. Belichick was like, nah, that guy's not that good. Who cares? But uh, that's because Brady would cover up all ills and maybe like stealing the other team's playbooks and stuff would do that yep. as well. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, you know, with going forward though, like they made, so many bad decisions signing like multiple tight ends to huge contracts, like giving the, the, the big thing was he was very good at not giving out money and then just started giving out money to stack around Mac Jones, which is generally a good idea unless you're paying Nelson Aguilar a bunch of money, 
or Kendrick Bourne, who barely played in the game, and you're giving him a huge contract. It was like, wait, why did you go away from the principles that worked for you before? Uh, probably because it was it was a, a panic move to make sure you competed right away, get an average roster, hope you could coach it up. The Steelers, though, you take the talent, you take a quarterback who's up and coming in Kenny Pickett on a rookie quarterback contract. I thought they drafted extremely well this year, like really smart. Like George Pickens was a guy that dropped because of some injuries, but looks like a, a freaking monster. So add another good wide receiver. If they build up that offensive line over the next year, I mean, you're going to have a really, really good roster for Kenny Pickett to drop into. And if we think that the difference between Mac Jones and Kenny Pickett is kind of marginal, they're drafted in a very similar place. Both have similar things that you talk about being good about them, accurate, kind of gutsy, whatever else, you know, maybe, but not like the Josh Allen freak. I think you're in a much better position to win if you're Pittsburgh and you could stack it up on top of that, as opposed to the Patriots that are just going to have to completely rebuild this thing. But I would say somebody tweeted out about the Patriots salary cap situation for next year, that a lot of the dumb contracts they gave out, you could wash out and spend more money next year. So if they survive this year and Mac Jones is good, then, you know, I wouldn't completely underestimate Belichick, but I also would take Pittsburgh. The only problem with that is the money to spend. They have failed to get players. Like that's one of the stories too, is, when they ask a player, hey, would you like to play here for money? The player says, no. <laughs> like Allen Robinson is one of those players. And, you know, we're on like two years where the Belichick, I can be a big meanie to anybody I want. Uh, not anymore. You can't. You can do that when you go 13 and three and you're playing with, you know, the goat over there. But when he's not here, it's like, well, I, I don't want to lose and have somebody be mean to me all the time. Like that doesn't seem like fun at all. Yeah, and the right. Steelers don't have the Steelers don't have the Bills in their their division as, as well. They don't have to play them twice a year, so that that also helps me pick the Steelers as well. Well, yeah, and and Miami, the Jets, uh, like should be, but just aren't. <laughs> like it's it. I don't know. Like I always I always think, and and uh, we made we made uh, careers out of this, Jeremy, talking about how tanking works, but. Um, the, the the Jets certainly test all the theories. Well, I mean, you just can't you can't do it without the quarterback. And not only has he not been very good, but he's not even healthy. I mean, right. you got Joe Flacco throwing almost sixty times. I don't care who you are, like you're toast. Right. And they've broken Robert Sala already. I mean, he yep. gave like some impassioned speech about like that. I'm, t- I'm keeping receipts of all you people who like under or respected the disrespected the jets. You're like, man, that's tough, tough. Like when you have to play Joe Flacco and not only play Joe Flacco, throw 59 passes with Joe Flacco, like, just bring back Vinny Testaverde already. Like, if you're going to do that, you cannot throw 59 passes with Joe Flacco and expect that this is going to go well. But uh, I don't know what any head coach is supposed to do when that's the case. Uh, Final question for you, and this has been very fun, Jeremy. Um, Kickers, right? So the uh, Denver Broncos would have been saved from themselves had kicking been illegal last night they would have just gone for it and played out the rest of the game and we all would have uh you know maybe been excited about a great ending and instead it ended on an absurd 64 yard field goal which the poor kicker brandon mcmanus tweets out like that's on me guys like i said i could kick it from there they're like 
Dude, no, no, that is not your fault that they asked you to kick a 64-yard field goal on the road and not in the altitude. Anyway. Uh, not in the altitude is key. I, I saw this would have been the second longest kick at sea level ever. And, and he really <laughs> booted the heck out of it, but come on. Yeah. You cannot ask that. Like, uh, yeah, I mean, the, the roastings of the, the Broncos were worth it, though. My, mine was, um, you know, that uh, maybe the Broncos thought Mr. Unlimited was their kicker. Right. <laughs> and, and like Scott Frost loves this decision, uh, fired from Nebraska this week. So, uh, kickers overall, aside from the Browns kicker, who is a beast and kicked a game winner from 58 kicking was pretty rough this week. What if the NFL someday said, you know what? No more kicking. Let's just play real football all the time. We are not going to have these games rest on the feet of dudes who can't tackle anyone. Would you like it? And what would the NFL look like if they banned kicking? I would not like it. I need that decision-making process to expose the bad teams. I need to know that uh, this team is better than this team because this coach knows to not kick it here. And, you know, Ron Rivera is going to kick the field goal of death and keep my team alive because the field goal of death, of course, is something that uh, can be exploited. So, I like it. I like strategy decisions. And I didn't like when they went to the extra point that was longer, like the 38-yard extra point or whatever, because it just introduces randomness that I don't think we need. But that said, it does introduce strategy, and it makes two-point conversions more likely sometimes. So I like it because it leads to the decision to not kick. And I, I need the smart guys separated from the dum-dums. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I From a soccer bias, no. Don't get rid of – don't get rid of athletes kicking sports balls in a sport. No, I'm, I'm all for keeping kicking. But also, uh, when did we as a football society become okay with just getting rid of things that we're not good at? Aren't coaches supposed to coach up these guys to be better? Why did we just stop saying, coaches, do your job and get these guys better in a mental space so they can execute in big moments for your team instead of just canning these guys and bringing in the next one? And also – I know it doesn't happen often anymore, but kick returns are one of the most exciting things. A kick return for a touchdown is one of the most exciting things you can get in the NFL. And if you get rid of kicking, that's gone. That possibility is gone. So, no, I'm I'm all for keeping kicking in the game. Yeah, and they've already mostly gotten rid of kick returning, which yeah. I think uh, the league has not cared to try to bring back. But if they did, they would implement the XFL kickoff and it would mm -hmm. be super fun for all, but they don't. Uh, well, if we're imagining a world of what it's like, I think that it actually does introduce more randomness because so much would rest on fourth down conversions. So if a team for a single season got really hot on fourth downs, in fact, this was really like the chargers at the beginning of last year that like, uh, you know, super football woke Brandon Staley. was like, we're, we're going to just get go for fourth down every time, which is awesome. And a lot of his decisions I think were right, but it also like when they got hot with that, then he was a genius. And then when it like evened out, he was a, a dumb dumb. But like this was like Philadelphia 2017 in the Super Bowl where they just started going for fourth downs because they knew that Nick Foles had no other possible way of beating the New England Patriots. And it worked for them. If they did that a thousand times, then it probably only works that one time as much as it did for the Philadelphia Eagles, including like a trick play thrown in. Um, so that would that would be, I think, a little problematic. Um, but every fourth down would come with like so much weight and you would have uh, like these really fast changes of possession. I think it would up the pace 
of the game where it'd be like, okay, offense back on there. Like we don't have to wait for, you know, the field goal and then the kickoff and then the whole thing. Uh, It would probably increase the number of possessions, but there's nothing quite like, and this comes from two of us who were around to see a man miss wide right to lose the Super Bowl. There is nothing quite like in all of sports that dude lining up to kick the game-winning field goal. Yeah. I mean, there's just there's no drama like it. I mean, that's that's why I w- I do wish they'd get rid of the ice the kicker stuff because I, I want it to just come down to that. I don't want to like kick it and like oh no they call timeout don't react to that everyone like I, I wish they would just completely ban that like you ha- make it so if it's a field goal team you have to call it like with at least ten seconds left on the play clock or something but it is sheer bleeding drama that the NFL cannot get enough of. And even, even if sometimes kickers frustrate the heck out of you, it is the beauty of the sport for Adam Vinatieri to line up with a chance to win the Super Bowl for his team. It's just, there's just nothing like it. Football. Football. Well, um, Jeremy, any final comments on week one before we wrap up? Um, no, not really. Okay. So last week, last week, uh, Manny Hill, who's on the show, predicted the bills to win the super bowl uh are you guys are you guys comfortable saying it like oh yeah okay oh you are okay because i would think because of the history of things that uh you would be a little bit anxious about saying super bowl or bust and so forth the whole season is a revenge tour because everybody knows they should have won it last year Mm. so like revenge tour everybody's locked in I mean, if you don't say they're going to win the Super Bowl, people ask you what's wrong with you. Like, <laughs> they're going to do it. Howard well, picked him to go sixteen and one today. <laughs> like sixteen and one. Okay. Well, well, it's like, not like it hasn't been done, right? It, yep. It's not like it hasn't been done. Uh, well, enjoy the ride, Jeremy, because uh, there are a few teams that get this opportunity like the Bills have with their talent. So I appreciate your time. Miss working with you. Um, you know, we had a lot of great times on the air together. Jonathan, you are still Jonathan. And I appreciate you. <laughs> and uh, we will be back with another episode of Hot Routes next week to react to week two. We'll catch you all then.